Public Radio. This is RPPR episode 108. I game that for a dollar. And with me, as always, is Mr. Tom Church. You were adding something new there. That was that was much more from the diaphragm. I was like you were projecting more. Uh, it was very nice. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I think if you're going to do the announcer voice, you know, add something to it, and you did. Okay. It's, Good job. It's the I'm hard. praising your announcer voice All today. Right. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I, I'm speechless. Yeah. About that. Not you're, about other things. We've no, got you're a lot. Not. We've got a lot to talk about. We do. So, thank you. Uh, so, in this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, gameable material. What is gameable? What is not? That is a common phrase you hear from tabletop gamers. We have a whole thread about it on ga- the gaming fodder thread on the RPBR message boards. Uh, so, we're going to go over the kind of things that I think is gameable, that Tom thinks is gameable, why we do, why we think some things are good for gaming yeah. some aren't have you ever thought about things that we thought were gameable but yeah turned out not to be exactly the common mistakes uh all that all that good stuff uh for something news uh the vintage villainy uh base raiders pdf <clears throat> supplement is out it is uh the speaking of gameable material this was uh <laughs> inspired by a 14 or 15 part serial batman versus the wizard which came out in the 40s uh and, and was riff tracked and, and oh my god, that was the most ineffective Batman ever. <laughs> Everyone was ineffective. The, Gabe, the henchman, was ineffective. Everyone was ineffective. That's what made it hilarious. And so I created a supplement about the the old kind of style of costume vigilantes mm-hmm. and the villains. golden age. Uh, yes, golden age. Well, sure, that's a term that we mm-hmm. could use. Uh, so old timey then. How about that? Old timey, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, giant room sized machines with vacuum tubes and release Te- sparks, and Tesla coils, Tesla coils, ray guns, all that stuff. So this little supplement has new gadgets, new rules for building uh, vintage gadgets, right. and, uh, a couple of superpowers, and, and, and science with an exclamation mark. Yeah, that kind of stuff. So um, of course, if you back the boiling point. Uh, Kickstarter at the deluxe level or higher, you'll be getting that as a uh, bonus PDF. And oh, what a, and you, what a bonus it will be! Yes, uh, and those of you because uh, that was a stretch goal, and those of you who are not uh, part of that will uh, be able to get it for two ninety nine. So uh, huzzah! Um, also, I want to thank everybody who is part of the bundle of holding Fate Plus Two. Uh, yeah. That was we raised money for charity, like the Electron Freedom Foundation base raiders on sale and. We are altruistic. Yes, yes, we, as in... I do shit. Well, that Base Raiders was my thing, and that was the... You, I supported it. You Okay, you supported it. All right, so, sure. We're, we're, and I could have demanded my own free copy, because I'm yeah. me, but I paid money. <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. I'm the monster, so... Uh, yeah, yes, as long as you remember that. You will live a long and healthy life. Yeah, uh, we, are, we will also have RPPR B-Sides Volume 2 coming out uh, sometime in the next month or so. For those of you that can't get enough. Uh, yes. Uh, this volume 2 is going to be called Playtesting Pandemonium. It's going to feature a lot of playtests of games. Oh, God. Uh, not just your game. No, I, I know that, yeah. but uh, uh, also... Explosion playtest will be on it. No, it's not just that. It's not... It's, I'm not sure... I know there's lots of other playtests, but yeah. there's all... But the ones I'm thinking of, I almost forgot about. Uh, and you just mentioned B-Sides. I think... Wait. <laughs> oh. A lot like the Unity one you had about the drug smugglers, and I think I put that in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I still think that speaking of gameable, I'm sure there was a, that was a good idea. but It, w- it was. I mean, the people we able to listen determined for themselves. So uh, keep, keep your eyes out for that. I'll probably do another episode when that comes out. Uh, but that's in the works. I would have had it up earlier, but Bundle of Holding came out. So. And what can you do? What can I do? Um, we are all powerless in the face of such things. <laughs> yes. Sure. So... Um, 
Gameable material. Uh, the first off to define what is gameable. Uh, this is what I mean gameable. I mean something that some sort of element. Uh, maybe not the entire thing uh, that I see in a bit of fiction or real life TV story, show whatever, whatever yeah. something that I see that I realize I could put into a tabletop game and make it better so uh, when I see something that means hey that should go in a game because I'm a blatant th- thief when it comes to writing tabletop games if, I'm, mm-hmm. if I read something it heavily influences me for the, the immediate future and so I base a game off of whatever yeah. I'm reading yeah. or There's playing it. or have watched Let's Play of i.e. Five Nights at Freddy's ugh. And uh, so on and so yeah, forth. A recent one we both did together was from the movie John Wick. Uh, the Continental. Well, I mean, yeah. There's that, that element. So, that's uh, one example. I, I, don't wanna sp- I guess I don't want to spoil it too bad in case on the off chance. Yeah, then again, it's really left the theater already. Yes. But it's, it's an aspect of that movie that we realized would be a great world thing to throw into a game. Yeah. Um, and the thing about a gameable material is uh, it's something that you can often like what I call like filing the serial numbers off where you take that idea but you apply it to a different environment or setting or genre. So like the Continental, uh, the, the, the long and the short of it is, it is that it is a hotel that is a neutral ground for criminal parties. Like it is has like for elite, elite criminals. Yeah. Not, not gangst gangbangers. Right. You, well, it's very expensive to get a room. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and you have to be, it seems like you have to be invited into it. But like it, for professional hitmen and thieves and whatnot, you can, it's safe ground. It's like sanctuary. Yeah, yeah, like two blood enemies yeah. must be must be civil to each other when they're there. Right. Well, they can't kill each other. So yes. So, but it's a safe haven. Right. So that idea. I mean, in John Wick, it's in a modern city. You know, but yeah, like you could like you you could really do that with anything. You could put it in science fiction setting. You fantasy. could put it in a fantasy. You could put it in any number of things, uh, as long as there's some sort of Western civilization kind of. Theme like I just a theme, not, a theme of a place of neutral ground. Like if you were running a game where you were the Mongol horde, I wouldn't really see a place for the continental. You know, no, because at that point it's pretty much yeah. the, the might makes right. Right, right. Well, there's also the fact that they're nomads. That mm-hmm. you, like you put the hotel, you know, in here. Well, when they go over there, it's not really useful. Like, or you, but you could do it like in like a major city, like in Call of Cthulhu. It could be groups of cultists, right. The, you know, different cults, like, you know, here you can't right. kill each other or you or, or proclaim your dark Lovecraftian god is has a bigger tentacle dick than mine. Or <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's uh, that's a good way of putting it. Oh, thank you. Uh, Just thought of it. Um, so, for me, like, what the criteria of a gameable uh, thing is, you know, what, what the, it defines it is, it is a single, uh, to me the most important thing is that it's a single element. That I can sort of boil down and file the serial numbers away. Um, it and and this could be almost anything. It could be an object. It could be a, a place. A, a play, well, an object, a place, a person, uh, a personality trait, a um, theme. You know, a plot uh, or a story archetype or a, uh, a narrative. But the other thing is that it it cannot be something that. And I, I see this a lot as something that denies player agency because the whole thing is uh, you're pulling this from stuff that like it, well it could be a game it could be like for a video game in fact a lot of ideas come from sure games. but like it can't be something that denies like 
player narrative or player agency because the whole point of a tabletop game is what do players do when you put them in this story uh you can't just make them pass act, you can't make them act out right so like for me a bad like the example of what gameable is is you can find it by what it is not and for me like for in john wick the thing that would not be gameable would be the hook for the film which is the players are hitmen or the the that the players Go on a bloody quest of revenge it, after their dogs or the dog mm-hmm. is killed. And like for me, because the idea is you could do the initial setup is you are a hitman, your last tie to the person you love is destroyed. You know, the dog mm-hmm. is killed or whatever. Um, but you could not then say you go on a quest of revenge because then players are like, wait, what? Don't I get them saying it? It's just a fucking like, yeah, dog. or like or I, I would call like I were like, it's like, well, wait. If I'm using, still using John Wick, like, yeah. Well, what if I like, hey, call Vigo, like, hey, your son just stole my car and killed my dog. Yeah. And um, I'm feeling some compensation is in order here. Yeah, you could be, a, yeah, instead of like just killing them, like get a million dollars out of it or something like that, uh, and settle at like reasonable people. So mm-hmm. you could not do, and I see this a lot with players like. You know, or new GMs will see something cool in a movie or a TV show or a comic book like, oh, God, I, got, I want to do that. And by that, I mean they want to recreate that scene. Using the players as, yeah, yeah. The, bit pl- as, the, as the bit players in the Well, story. casting them as – well, not as the bit players, but as the main characters in it. But, but, like, but expecting them to go along with that To story. make the same narrative choices. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. And that's – I think the biggest thing you have to come up with Game Boy is you have to make it – it has to be something that could be applied to any kind of player decision. So you can't do something that takes away players' free will. I mean, yeah, that, there's that, a fine line between that and railroading. Well, I mean, yeah. like, it, yeah, you don't want something that railroads them. That, that's the whole point. So um, that that's the kind of thing. So, um, you know, for example, I mean, we, I'll talk about this in the, the, the shout-outs. Well, um, like, I'm reading a book right now called Ford Landy. It's about Henry Ford's... Attempt to build a rubber plantation in Brazil. In the yeah, that didn't go so well. <laughs> it's a real interesting read. Uh, I've heard, I've heard, I know about that story yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, yeah, just Henry, yeah. like Henry Ford was not a nice person. No, I mean, yeah, he was. He was very much a moral uh, imperialist. I guess mm-hmm. is how I put it. He's like my way. Not even the highway. It's like my way is all. Like he was. Yeah, and uh, he got the highest award that the Nazi Party offered a foreigner. Yeah, this is true. Uh, but he also increased wages. He also did a lot away with a lot mm. of the excesses of the Gilded Age that preceded him. Uh, you know, the five dollar workday. I mean, he's a very mixed figure, and he also had a very complex view. Like people, you know, mm. uh, talk about how he, it's history is bunk is what he's claimed to saying. But like, he talked about he was critical of uh, if you read his his writing. He was very critical of the uh, the the theory that history is about great men and speeches and war. Mm-hmm. It's like no, history is about the common men and the everyday progress and like the the here and that that kind of thing, which is a very sophisticated view of history True. and something more like a contemporary people would it's view. Like, it's like ups and downs, pros ups and downs. downs. Secret police that monitored his workers for and would fire them if they drank or gambled. Bad. Five dollar workday, good. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally racist, uh, especially against the Jews. Yeah, bad. So yeah, mixed bag. Um, yeah, revolutionized the auto industry. Good, right? right. So Hitler. <laughs> yeah, um, pacifist. Good. Hypocrite by uh, having Ford build machines of war for World War One. 
Uh, there was money in that. Yeah, exactly. Not yeah, hypocritical. So, uh, my point in terms of the gaming, well, there's a ton of different gameable ideas in Fordlandia, but I would not do something where the idea is like if the players, if I would like one gameable thing was like you are hired by a billionaire to go build a rubber plantation in mm-hmm. Brazil. Um, I would not force the players to make the same mistakes. That the other people would do. Like, I would be like, well, can you do better? I mean, that would be the premise of the game, not to um, say, okay, well, you totally fuck everything up. It's like, yeah, you, 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 may, you have to hire in basically indentured servitude now. Well, that's the thing. It's like they actually gave them wages. And that was what the, the economy they were going into is that all the rubber tappers and workers were indentured servants, basically. But they gave them wages, and that was hard for, that was actually caused a lot of problems. And the book goes into a lot of detail about that. But. Again, or if, for example, if you were, if the players were um, player characters in this, uh, like there's a riot that happened in 1930 Mm -hmm. in the uh, the plantation. And so if you wanted to set a game in Fordlandia during the riot, I'd be like, all right, the riot started, you're pissed, you start attacking because this is what happened in history. You know, like I would say, well... You know, well, this isn't the same plantation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a, well, it's the gaming universe. The players have a free will. They mm-hmm. they have the I, the ability to make different decisions. So, I mean, I suppose if you had a game on the Titanic, you, your players could technically wait until like just before you know impact yeah. and run to the bridge. Like, okay, dude, there's gonna be like an iceberg like right ahead of you in the next 15 minutes. You just need to yeah make some course corrections now. Well, that's, a th- that's actually a good point. Um, so like going to history, like. There, there is yeah. That's another sort of I think mistake of gameable stuff, which would be like, oh, the what if you know for history, and then like the players because they have the mm. hindsight, you know, that they can just totally like save the Titanic, but that kind of trivializes it. So like I would avoid trying to do give players the ability to do that. Well, I think I think yeah, that one Call of Cthulhu scenario on the Titanic. Yeah, yeah. Basically, does that. It's just you know. You're not concerned with the whole grand thing going yeah. on because you're involved in some other shit. Well, you're a passenger on it too. Yeah, like you're, you're, you're not you're, a crew member. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're not an officer particularly. Yeah. But yeah, the same. Yeah. So, but you're you're, you're more concerned about this weird ass thing that's stalking yeah. everyone on the ship. <laughs> you don't have time to be worried about the iceberg you know is coming. Right. So that, that that's sort of the idea is again with the game rules. You have to think about what would actually make the game fun. I mean, because that's the that's the core idea. What makes the game fun? Mm. Um, like, actually, I, I was telling. I told you before we started recording. I had seen something literally an hour before I came over here. Yeah. That I thought that I realized is going to be a games thing. Okay. It's a show. Uh, it's going to be one of my. Sh- I'll tell the show in the show. Yeah, yeah. But we'll- it's a, it's a it's a show about museums, mm-hmm. and they go over the histories of some of their artifacts. And there's one museum that part of their exhibit is you go down this trap door mm-hmm. to an underground cell, and it's a place, and it's a place where in San Francisco where sailors were Shanghai. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, like the bars where like just guys would come in, like prospectors or whatever, you know, wanting a drink. And if they were able-bodied men, the proprietor would have his literally a femme fatale, yeah. co, you know, conspirator with them, serve them drinks, drug it. And when they passed yeah. out, they would pretend like, oh, we're going to help him to help into his room. They would just drop him into this holding cell. Yeah, and then sell them for fifty dollars a person to you know uh, ship ship captains that needed crew members because all the all the sailors were out looking for gold at the time. Yeah, and it was that 
it became known as Shanghai because that was almost always the destination. Yeah. I'm totally doing a scenario where the players are Shanghai. Shanghai. Yeah, no, I've. I've but it's, it brings up a lot what you were exactly what you were talking about is, but I can't do it, you know, but I, there's, I can't do it exactly like, I can't just have, you're Shanghai and you just, uh, and you decide that you have no other choice. You decide to be, be part of the crew and go right. with them all the way. Right. I can't do, you know, that's, you can't do that. Right. You could set, uh, and the other thing is you actually couldn't start it too early. You couldn't start the game off in the bar. No, no. I would, like, the game would have to start waking up right. from the drug. Right. No, because if you started at the bar, then the player would be like... I'm a teetotaler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck this. <laughs> like, I'm Tom Church. There's and gold in them bar hills. You know? <laughs> like, I've got, got time to be drinking, yo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. I'm going to die from I'm going to die from silver, from mercury poisoning and digging gold. <laughs> Not with cirrhosis of the liver. That's for suckers. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there. Yeah, you can't do that. But yeah, they wake up, and then you can't say, "All right, so you've been on the crew for three weeks, and you've gotten used to it." And then you get to know the other crew. No. Yeah, fuck that. I'm going to rebel. Yeah, we're going to go all mutiny on their asses. Um, so <laughs> that that's another uh, good point. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's uh, right. it's the same thing. If you see something good, I think you have to run it through that criterion in your head. Yeah. First, I go, okay, like, can this really work? Mm -hmm. Should I put it in a game? Am I just doing it because I'm suddenly really excited about this right now? Yeah. And I'm not thinking clearly because that has happened a lot. Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, a lot of times you'll see, especially, like, uh, very one-sided things. Like, I mean, like, for example, think of, like, Zulu or something like that. I mean, like, it's a great war movie and, like, people would think, oh, my God, that's gameable. One... You know, colonialist movie, kind of problematic attitudes towards race and things. You think? (laughs) Yeah, you think. So one, you have that for the modern sensibility. But two, it would be very easy to recast as like elves versus orcs or something like that. But Mm -hmm. like, it's kind of actually as in terms of uh, it looks very exciting on the screen. But as a game, I don't think Zulu would work super well because it can sit one if you're Zulu. Get like okay, if you're gonna do it with any semblance of mm-hmm. realism, it's like you die, you uh, lose, you die, your seventh character dies. <laughs> you have a stack of pre-rolled Zulu warriors, yeah. and two. But even if you aren't like, uh, if you're one of the British war, you know, soldiers shooting, then it's like okay, roll the shoot, roll the shoot, roll the shoot, roll the shoot. Yeah, you actually, know. I had some someone suggest to me that three hundred would make a good game. Yeah, and I argued with them. Not so much the Battle of Thermopylae. Yeah. Because that's 300 guys. I mean, you know, if you're playing a Spartan, yeah. you're 300 guys and it's just a fight scene. Yeah. And a fight scene. I said, however... It's not even that dramatic of a... I mean, it's very dramatic in terms of, like, the intensity or whatever. Yeah, but... But in terms of tactics, no, it's just hold the line. Which is essentially what Zulu It's just hack... Yeah, exactly. It's hack and slash. But I argued with him... But playing someone who's behind the scenes, like still back in Sparta, trying to get support for them. Yeah. You could do something with that, where you actually have some agency that you can go off and maybe formulate a plan. Actually, I would say the more the best gameable thing related to that would be the uh, uh, naval mm-hmm. battles of the Athenians, right? Yeah, that's yeah. which is from the second movie. Yeah, yeah. The Athenian fleet. Under, yeah, under Themistocles. Yeah, like that's a very dramatic thing, and that's not like... You have the, it, holding a bottleneck is basically not a very like in terms of gaming. It's not very exciting. You're just like no. 
Roll to hit, roll to hit. But in a naval engagement where there's tactics and strategy. Right. Well, it's more fluid. There's more Mm -hmm. movement. Like, I mean, you also have to think about, like, what's fun to game with. And so, like, in terms of battles, like, there are some battles that are – battles that are attrition, you know, which is what holding a bottleneck basically Mm -hmm. is, is kind of like it's just, like, come up with a stat rolling program and be done Mm -hmm. with it, you know. But in terms of, like, fluid tactics and movement and that kind of thing, that's why feng shui and other sort of action movie games are so much fun because you get to, like – it's more dynamic. Your character can try mm. risky stunts and stuff like that. Which so. is why, yeah, like, that's why probably why Glancy has never made a scenario where it's just a protracted trench battle in World War One. Yeah, yeah. Because that's basically you're maybe like, like you're firing vaguely into the darkness. Yeah. Where you you think the Germans are while six hundred million shells are flying. It's not even firing that much. It's just like waiting. Sitting, yeah, waiting. So. But like, but you know, like. Going on a special mission or something yeah, like that. A trench raid with your pockets stuffed with grenades. There you like go. Like a grenade duel would be incredibly interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think I talked about this in a previous episode uh, of RPVR. <clears throat> but I, I read uh, a couple months ago uh, Storm of Steel, which is the autobiography yeah. of Ernst Junger. <clears throat> uh, and he talked about the grenade duels he had while on trench raids in World War One, which is like you run up, throw their grenade at where you think the enemy is. Then you run away. Uh, hopefully to avoid their grenade. Mm-hmm. So it's running back and forth and like, just, Whoa. yeah, like, haha, I'm over here. Phew. So like, that could be very, so do you take a sneaky approach? Like, like so that they can't hear you, then you throw... Or do you, or do you just tie like six grenades together with their yeah. pins and just yank them all? You, just, yeah. Or yeah, like throw all your grenades at once, you know, like there's a lot of different, they, like there's a lot of different choices. It's very dramatic mm-hmm. when it's very immediate if you win or lose. Um, but I kind of think that, yeah, I, for something to be in a game, it needs to be something that can move. Yeah. Well, in terms of combat. Yeah. Com- com- well, like combat and uh, I mean, not so much place. Like I've actually done a lot of cool again. It's player taken- agency is the key mm-hmm. to every everything that's gameable. It's something that like makes the game more fun. You know. Yeah. If it requires them that they do this particular thing in this particular yeah. order, it's going to break down. Right. I mean, you can have it to uh, you can have them make one choice. Before the game starts again, like the Shanghai thing, your characters went to this bar and got drunk. Like that mm-hmm. happened before the game started. Ha ha ha! You know, and that's fine. But like again, making multiple like that second choice, which is like you go along with the crew, or you mutiny and now you're being flogged with this as mm-hmm. the game starts or whatever. You know, like no, that fucking sucks. Um, but you know, and the thing is, we have also been talking a lot about like external things, like but a lot of game mobile stuff. I think isn't even um, the, these kind of things. Like I, like I brought up earlier, personality traits and uh, themes and stories. So like one of the other shout outs I'm going to give is for We Have Always Lived in a Castle, which is a novel by Shirley Jackson. She, of course, is most famous for The Lottery. Mm-hmm. And the, the, this novel is about two sisters who are sort of pariahs of this small uh, Vermont town. And because uh, six years ago, their family died of poisoning and only the two sisters were left. And so the older sister was put on trial for murder and like she was acquitted. But ever since then, everyone thinks she's responsible for it. You know? mm-hmm. like, uh, so the novel is narrated by uh, Mary Catherine, Mary Cat, who is the younger sister. And it, the, it follows her point of view. And she, this, her family was, like died when she was 12 and she never went back to school. And she's just like, she is a very interesting character. I will say that. And it's it's a short novel. It's worth reading. Um, but, like, I kind of wish I had read uh, 
I think Mary Cat would make a great member of the Lost Generation in Eclipse mm-hmm. phase. Uh, like I, I kind of want to role play trying as Mary Cat. Mary Cat. Um, I want to try and role play. I think that would be a fascinating character as a PC or as an NPC. Someone with that kind because she has a very unique sensibility, and I think it's very inter- interesting. So, um, and it doesn't have to be the entire personality of a character. Like there are a lot of like I'm sure you've seen like character. Well, okay, I know going back to high school, but I know you saw uh, Nicolas Cage in Face, Face Off. Off, and like you started imitating like a lot of his quirks or traits in my characters. I yeah, really, yeah, yeah, I really put it. In fact, I played him straight out in yeah. several games. Um, but like, have there been other personality quirks or other things that you've seen in characters, either fictional, or non-fictional? Um, that you have then like, oh, that's gameable. I'll use that little quirk or that little thing. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously, Caster Troy is definitely yeah. the strongest. Like, I could break down like for Mary Cat. One of her specific things is she's basically a believer in sympathetic magic, where she's like, oh, well, I'll take one of Father's old books and nail it to this tree, and that means my house is magically protected and nothing mm-hmm. bad will happen. And like, uh, she has, she keeps going around and thinking about all these little, like superstitious beliefs that are kind of like don't, don't make sense to us but they make sense to her and so I, that kind of quirk would be a really good way to play some, some that sort of intense superstition that's sort of idiosyncratic it's not like in established folklore or anything it's just something she makes up but she really believes in it and that's I think could be a very good way of playing a character who's you know not neurotypical you know someone with mm-hmm. a, some sort of trauma or something like that so that would be one yeah, example or a, a little Something I know Aaron does. Yeah, is he? I, he really likes the you know one particular character trait is like the good person who knows he, who knows he is you know correct and by 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 virtue of that he's you know, he that he is going to de- he's going to defeat the villain because mm-hmm. the villain is against this good that he knows he is mm-hmm. and, I do, and and not even like the arrogant kind mm-hmm. it's just you know like, it's like, I'm like you know he, he's along yeah, some more along the lines of I see what you are doing mm-hmm. you will like you will fail is this kind of like, um, do you have an example of that in like fiction <sighs> Would this be like Link and Game? There's actually a lot of I, a lot of anime characters are like this. Oh, uh, okay. So it, you know the, the yeah, they're, you know, it's kind of, you know. Like a full metal alchemist? Full metal, yeah, they're there, that's, it's kind of just, you know, I can't, you know. It's, it's, uh, his is more the calm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what anime are you thinking of? I forget the name of it. It's well, one, what's it about? Actually, it was actually the really old ones, like, you know, the old Voltron. Oh, uh, okay. It's basically just, you know, they're, they're, like so con- they're so confident they're going to win because... Yeah. That's just how it works. Yeah. It's just good triumphs over evil. And also, there's definite evil. Yeah. That's, he puts a lot of that into his characters. Yeah. yeah once again, but not, not, in the, not in that self-righteous way. Just, right, right. Just kind of like, it's going to be fine. Like, we're going to be fine. <laughs> I got this. Do good. All right. I got this. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. Um so yeah, and uh, David, of course, you know, uh, like the uh, the lovely, like larger than life, like, Bon Vivant, Bon Vivant, yeah, yes, bon. the uh, the lover of life, and yeah. life loves him. Yeah, La Dolce Vita, sweet life. Yes, yes. All right, very good. Um, those are good. But you know, I know before we were talking beforehand, you've had some bad like 
I wouldn't say bit. Well, I don't know. Like you, we didn't get into specifics, but like things of you, you thought something was gameable and something wasn't. Well, it's something that was gameable, but I did it in the wrong way. Oh, okay. Like, um, I actually ran. I, I ran a game that I went. It was a while back. It was definitely. I think it was just post high school. But I ran a game that was basically Die Hard. Yeah. Which I think Die Hard is supremely gameable. <sighs> it would actually like that's one of the things that I think. In some ways it would be, but you couldn't – again, you couldn't copy the entire structure of it because like that's the problem with a lot of action films actually I think is they have lone protagonists. And the thing about tabletop games is you have to have a team. Like there's a team of player characters. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of it is that there's more. Well, these were the things I learned. Yeah, yeah. OK. And on. also I tried to uh, – I had action scenes that were pretty much taken – Directly from the movie, yeah. I changed names. Of course, I'm sure, not. Sure. I'm not a monster, but it's and I. But I. I expected them to uh, make the same choices. Well, results. I expect them first to just kind of hide and try to call for help. Yeah, and maybe it was my naivete. I think I was about 20 when I did this game. Yeah, yeah. but imagine my surprise when I. I even said they were like uh, like security guards. They did have sidearms. Imagine my surprise when they just immediately engaged the terrorist. Is that, do, you, do you hide that? No! You're like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, essentially, all they're thinking is, I have to kill those guys because they have automatic weapons that I want. <laughs> yeah, that's... And, actually, and you know, there was the one guy in the movie, I even know Heinrich, that terrorist, who, uh, yeah. the guy in the white sweater who was the demolitions guy, who was the one in charge of setting all the explosives. When they got him, you know, he still had the bag with the detonators and the plastic explosives. And... They basically just thought it wasn't it wasn't the when he looks like whoa be careful it's like oh dude how are we gonna use this <laughs> like dude we need to use it right now <laughs> wow and uh, you know the fact that I thought like I, I planned that their first thing to do to get a call for help the police were never notified <laughs> <laughs> you think they would hear the gunfire but they did not in a bit not in the skyscraper well if they're at the top yeah I guess which actually that. That's another thing. Like, surely, I mean, I know he's blocks away, but wouldn't you hear automatic gunfire? Yeah. But instead of just seeing the flashes, but... No, you would. You would hear it. Like, gunfire is loud. You it's would. crazy loud. Especially automatic weapons. Yeah. Fire. Yeah. Especially sustained bursts yeah. of automatic gunfire. And, and, and from and, miles and what, away. And what ended up happening was... I, I, said, I actually had... There were 12 terrorists, just like in the movie. Yeah. And... Well, son of a bitch, if they didn't just, within 15 minutes, kick the doors open to the stairs on the hostage level yeah. and just engage them. <laughs> like, I mean, he's trying to, I even had the, you, you can hear like, okay, well, he's there, he's giving his speech, and, you know, you can walk out of here or be carried out. I shoot him. Yeah. I just kick the doors, the stairs open. Well, you could, you could kill hostages. They're fine. <laughs> and yeah. I, that's, I realized, I actually had to go back and, okay. Yeah. What did we do? What did I do wrong? It was not even the players. Like, what did I do here? Right. And that's when I realized some things in that are gameable. Yeah. But not everything. Right. Um, yes. But I think that being isolated in a place with hostile forces, mm-hmm. perfectly good. Oh, um, yeah. But the, the full plot of Die Hard. Making assu- yeah, exactly. The entire plot mm-hmm. does not work because you're making assumptions <clears throat> about how... The players will react to get. Maybe I was naive to think. Maybe I didn't think those players were as psychotic as right. most NPCs. But right, 
Live and learn. Right. I think, I mean, to be fair, our group isn't as psychotic as a lot of player groups. No, no, they're not. Yeah. Well, because I think we've known each other for so long. Right. Well, and we are not still, we, when we play games, we, we try to actually role play as try to pretend we're a person in that mm. environment, i.e. there's zombies about, there's a police guy who's protecting us. I need to kill him and get his gun because I want that gun. Like yeah, He's got more ammo. He's got, no, he just has a gun that I want. Like, it, <laughs> it's not, a normal person does not say, think that. Like, <laughs> it's, I, it's, oh, a guy, a trained, a trained professional that could help me. Yeah, no, I want his shit. Let me murder him. <laughs> like, that's not how, but that's how players act. Again, a murder hobo. Some life. players, but yeah. yeah, I think you have to know your group. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. I think I, mean, I could have done that more with this group. Mm-hmm. But, the, but I think, but then I would realize they would recognize what I was doing. Is is this diehard? Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, but especially, but if I was trying to but then, exactly do diehard, yeah. uh, you know, like if I was like, okay, you're facing off against Lars Uber. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Wow, that was a, a great name. I just made that up. I forget I, what I, I call him. Uh, no, it's fine. Uh, does he have a taxi company? Might be. Yes. Um, so, but the thing is, like, of course, if I tried to do Die Hard and people were like, I know the, I know the reaction to the RPA was like, what, are we in Carcosa? We're in Carcosa. You're doing 1980s Carcosa, aren't you? You're like, yes. No, I'm original. I wouldn't just make everything. Well, that's, okay. Uh, yeah. Speaking, may I speak, speaking of Carcosa, yeah, yeah. that is something that you can basically do almost anything with. Yeah. And that's, I think, I, I need to use that more because it's, yeah. There's really not a scenario. There's, I don't think there's a lot of scenarios you couldn't incorporate that into and make it good. Um, I mean, you could overdo it, and that's why I try not to do it all the time. And like I've tried to. I mean, well, what I, I, I remember what Caleb said about yeah. you. It's like when I like, wouldn't play Knights Black Agents. Like you had me for a second. He's like, <laughs> I think he's actually you had me for a second, Peyton. I think like, oh, he's not going to do any mythos. It's just vampires. Nope, mythos. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got like eight or nine sessions. You did know I mean, that's you had us all going. We're like, yeah. I don't think he's going to do the mythos in this. <laughs> we were amazed. We were, but then when you did it, we were almost relieved. <laughs> It wasn't start for the plan. I just didn't want you, and you could have found out about it earlier if you'd taken those, you know, vampire drugs. But you know, weird. Yeah, like how yeah, they couldn't imagine the players wouldn't take unknown narcotics. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so again, it, it, it's about things that enhance games and uh, other sources. So like, you know, I've been inspired by all kinds of things. You know, obviously mm-hmm. we mentioned about the big one, but you're like movies and documentaries and uh, TV and books video games, and books. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, what type of books? You know, like non novels and usually like mm-hmm. history books. Um, but you can find um, actually technical manuals. I found a lot of shit. In, oh, okay. Like, um, oh, well, actually, well, the perfect example: the Liberty ships. Mm-hmm. I, I, the whole that whole scenario came when I saw the I heard the, these ships had a tendency to snap literally in half in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Holy fuck! Yeah, like wow, you like you are served like like wow, serving on a ship that was put together in literally eight days, loaded with tons of cargo, going across where that there's a chance they could split apart, and there are U-boats in the area, like. So like just just looking up the technical manual and they had Liberty ships. It was like it was like you know vessels from World War Two. This book yeah, I was yeah. reading, and I saw that like, wow, yeah, I'm doing that. Yeah, uh, I really, yeah no, that, I mean, and that's but like 
that's a really dramatic idea, and that's something like, oh shit, I got to do that. But like the Liberty Ships, I mean, that's obviously it's setting it on that, not like saying starting the game, hey, it snaps in half. Uh, what do you do? Because obviously it's game over. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can't do but, it. But yeah, I'm doing the tension of you're you're serving on right. this kind of. Uh, you're not armed. Yeah. Yeah. You're a, like you're a, literally a cobbled together cargo ship. Yeah. And yes, they helped us. Yes, they basically really won the war for us. Yeah. Fun fact, Hitler actually said when he heard that that ship was built in like eight yeah. days, we've lost the war. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, Hitler was probably a bit depressive at that point. Just, just a bit. Yeah. yeah. Barbarossa probably wasn't going too well at that point. Yeah, he was, I'm sure he thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, more, more. yeah but, I, actually, I, I find things everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's literally, that's a lot of my days, I see something like, Ooh, that'd be a good game. Right, right. That's what I mean, is that you can find inspiration anywhere. Uh, there's gameable stuff all around you. I mean, just in your normal life. Um, I mean, for example, like, <laughs> going back to Carcosa, uh, I know one thing that I'm going to try and work into a game uh, is an Adult Swim video that was very mimetic, very popular. Oh, my God. Yes, uh, called Too Many Cooks. That was uh, fucking brilliant. And it was, and I, I know, I think I know how I want to use it. But, um, in fact, I'm not the only person who is going to use it. I know one of the uh, Rage Nerd Rock mm-hmm. people are going to use it uh, for uh, kind of do their own game with it. And so I really, so that's, you know, one example. Um, but you, I mean, anything. Like actually, another, oh, actually, when I passed by a church yeah, yeah. On my, when I was going to Memphis, yeah. and I had you know, the sign out front, it said, Support, it was like, you know, support our church. Yeah. Come to Las Vegas night. For some reason, thinking about it. Wow, the, the church throwing a gambling party. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know why, but I got, a, I got an idea of using, like, you know, a, 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 a venerated religious institution mm-hmm. having, like, a... Well, that's having, about- having an illicit den of inequity in the church itself. Right. Well, I mean, that's another thing. Is like a gameable, gameable material it doesn't always have to be like a major element in the game. It could be like a bit, like well, just a, a thing. Like it could be that, a bit that, yeah, that more just a thing. Like I want to have a church that has an illegal gambling. Right. That place. could be an aside or mm-hmm. one encounter or one scene. You know, like have a meet with a with a corrupt priest as he's doing Las Vegas night smoking mm-hmm. and calling off you know bingo numbers. You know, he's the contact for the players for some dirty world game or something like that. <laughs> I mean, like that's a scene right there, and the players are going to remember that as opposed to being meeting some bookie in a bar you mm-hmm. know, or something generic like that. So uh, that's one example. It's just it could be a little bit, so you can you can sort of sprinkle your games with little. Uh, or here and there. It could be a voice. Yeah, it could be a voice. Yeah. Like you know, if I heard something that was along the lines of Balgrin. Yes. As yes. a character, like, like if I if I just heard someone talk mm-hmm. like that, like I mean, I would be like that scene in uh, the that Shakespeare movie where it's like someone actually says, "Lend me your ears," and he stops for a second, makes a brief mental note, and moves on. Yeah. I would be like. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you, I mean, especially if you're running, no matter if you're a player or GM, you should try and keep like some notes or a list of things that like are gameable. I mean, GMs will obviously need that more than players, but players like, hey, this would be good for a character concept. This would be good for uh, a accent or something like, like that. I, oh my God. Like, uh, I had one when I, last time I went to New York. Yeah. I got a cabbie that, you know, he, you know, he got it. Yeah, but you know, and he took off driving, but the meter wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. And he's just, and he's going like, he's like, fuck these shit. Why isn't that fuck? Right. And finally, he just pulls over, gets like, hold it, I just I check. You fuck thing, do it. Like you must get out of cab. This cab is broken. Yeah. <laughs> we my friend, my friend who was with us. We were just like, 
getting out of the cab, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, holy shit. Uh, and one thing that, like, one bit of game over material I got from real life um, was actually that I already put in the game, which was the base Raiders game, The uh, Lost Treasure of the Candyman. And that was for the password to, or to get into the base, which was eating a bit of balut. And which was so much, dude... So works so well for foot high science guy. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Like, dude, this is almost as like this is a quarter the size of me. Ah. Um, yeah, don't Google balut. It's totally disgusting. It's a chick. It's a it's a chicken or a duck abortion in an eggshell. It's it's that's you're supposed good. to eat. Yeah, you're, you're supposed to eat. Uh, because when I went to the Philippines, uh, that's like they offered me that, and I'm like, no, I don't. Need Wasn't that. that like someone in your group like, who would practically eat anything actually said no, not that. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, uh, one of the guy, our like dive master, who was like Filipino, was like, no, I would not eat that. <laughs> Uh, he wanted to see if he could get us to eat it, but like no. It's like it's like, well, like it's like it is amusing when you try. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> something like that. So uh, you can find these kind of uh, uh, inspirational moments uh, th- through anything. So uh, it's just a matter of knowing how to incorporate them and when. Like there, there is a certain sort of threshold. You don't want to like make a game that's nothing but stuff you find from gameable material. Like you want it to have mm. its own sort of identity. Like a little bit goes a long way. I mean, I don't know. Have you run a game that probably had too many of those things? Well, the one thing that Die Hard game came yeah. to mind. Yeah, you, you lean way too hard on that. There, was, there were too many cooks. There were too many cooks. <laughs> um, well, I mean, one thing you could have done is, like, take two gameable things and just put them oh, together. But I would like to say, actually, I'd like to mention this. My friend uh, in, from Seattle. Yeah. He actually did a, he was, I believe it was Dungeon World. I want to say it was Dungeon World. Okay. I th- or it might have been another one of the indie games from Seattle. But he actually did a game where we were members. No, it was Inverse World. Oh, I remember that. It was Inverse World. Society for Dungeon World. We have yeah, an AP yeah. of that, by the way. We and uh, he actually had, we were members of a, you know, of a pirate crew. Yeah. And we were going to visit one of our old members who was working for this Mages Guild. Who got a, got this you know, job as a, for the Mages Guild. Yeah. And... They like they like the Mages Guild headquarters was this large tower. Yeah, and we were invited to this party in the Mages Tower, mm-hmm. and we we didn't ex- didn't suspect a thing in the game. He and he's introducing us so that there's this, there's kind of an obnoxious mage who's in charge of this like the yeah, alchemy yeah. department. And then we meet her, and then this group of rogue mages takes over the tower, and it, we suddenly realize this is diehard. <laughs> <laughs> literally and literally like the, the, we didn't catch it because the names of all the car- NPCs we it's met it was a fantasy setting yeah. it was a fantasy setting and all the names of the NPCs were met not exactly not blatant but if you really paid attention you could yeah. just hear how they were this is this guy is Ellis and yeah. his name was not exactly but just enough if you were thinking about it and yeah. we weren't until finally later that was a way to do I thought that's how you do Die Hard in a different setting. <laughs> yeah. It's like he took the idea, and even some of the same events, but it wasn't important which that order we did it in. Yeah. That's how, he, like, that's, that's how you do Die Hard yeah. in a different setting. Yeah. No, and that, yeah, no, that's a really good example of, of how you can do that. Um, one other thing, aside from, like, character traits and, like... External things you would also do themes, um, and certainly, and by themes it could be like subgenres and stuff like that. Um, you know, for example, like I recently another shout out I'll give is Death Skid Marks, which is a <laughs> roguelike uh, video game out on Steam mm-hmm. uh, for PC, and 
it's basically you're a metalhead and you're trying to go to a concert that's 666 kilometers away. So you have to go through there. So it's like a, you're like a top down shooter where you're in a car and you can get up to like four crew members that you pick up along that are just hitchhikers mm-hmm. and you give them guns and you shoot other cars that are trying to shoot you. And so it's got like this Rocco psychobilly kind of soundtrack and like all the art is done like kind of psychobilly ish. And so like that theme of like psychobilly post-apocalyptic psychobilly uh, road warrior mashup is really cool and so you could do a whole game with that theme but without that that, Mm. like you don't know that plot or that you know anything else from it just like that theme of like not just post-apocalyptic psychobilly post-apocalyptic right Um, and it's not even really psycho not necessarily post-apocalyptic although it certainly looks like it for me but (laughs) everyone's running around with flamethrowers and buzzsaws mounted on their cars and there's just you know guns and drugs and just freaks and the 80s well it's uh, well, one of the staple enemies is basically the Westboro Church. Uh, oh, lovely. Yeah, you can blow them up, and the other ones are like... Naturally. Rug- yeah. Uh, there's a clown car boss with like 96 clowns in the car, and you have <laughs> to kill all the clowns to blow up the car. So, yeah, it's 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 a fun game. And I'll talk about it when we get to the shout-outs. But just that theme of psychobilly post-apocalyptic would be really good. Um, another theme that would be like... And so like that creates an entire new spin on it, and you don't mm-hmm. even have to come up... You could do any kind of action game with that. Yeah. And just like, say, everyone has a pompadour everybody's getting driving their right. yeah you don't even need to change anything mechanically it's just literally you yeah. know the style like Monsters Heroes is one of my favorites yeah. not just characters but the theme is yeah well, or heroes that can't be directly seen right uh, living on the fringes like uh, the Shadow Man or Dark Man mm-hmm. the Liam Neeson movie oh that's a good one yeah um, that would be a good example um, another one like Caleb's uh uh, Giant Corpse Island, Meat Punk. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's thematically we're running stock Dungeon World. There's nothing different about it than anything else. It's just we're, we're parasites. We're living on a corpse island. Everything's made of meat. You know that kind of thing. And that that's a really cool theme, and that makes the world stand out from everything else. So exactly. Um. So I like that. Um. So some sort of theme would be another good thing for a gameable idea. So um. Yeah. Anyways. Um. Yeah, retired hitman. <laughs> yeah, retired hitman. Well, that's a, I mean that's like a trope within it, and the retired hitman's good. Uh, I mean that's kind of a, I mean that's definitely a cliche at this point. Um, I would, yeah, or retired heroes. Retired heroes, yeah. Um, like again, if you're doing the John Wick one, like mm-hmm. if you wanted him as an NPC, like <laughs> or God or uh, like or henchman horror. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, again, t- talking about game of ideas. So, like John Wick, I would like to use him like as he is in Payday Two, which is like, all right, I got revenge. Now I start robbing bank with these four guys. I don't know. So I, I, I just go where the world takes me. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like, and my one big skill is murder. Yeah. No, he is really good at that. Um, so yeah. So look to uh, whatever you have out there, and uh, in life, or uh, and yeah. turn it into a game. Look around you. Look around you. See Just, that's see that would be an interesting thing to use as a gameable material. So how would you use "Look Around You" as a gameable like uh, a parody of British public education programs? Like um, one could be how it interprets. Uh, science mm-hmm. uh, that could be like a, a superhero base raiders kind of thing. like the the thing that creates the giant pair of scissors in the sky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or uh, like, wait, do they use disintegration beams in waste disposal? Yeah, I don't think they do. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you uh, can take one little bit of it, or just that would be a good thing for uh, a flavor thing. Just mm-hmm. like the players are at a school somewhere, it's playing "Look Around You." And be like, what kind of school is that? You know, and, right. or like, dude, you could totally use the forbidden nine keys on a piano for something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. I totally forgot about that. Uh, so yeah, uh, like this. Like is like you know for the protection of the audience the sound has been removed he pushes one and his ears are bleeding yeah <laughs> see that's a good that's a perfect one um, so there's a, a lot of bit of gameable material uh, from Look Around You even though that's not like a generic action film so. no it's not oh the thing I was talking about earlier was uh, make, taking two things and mashing them together so you could do like the plot of Die Hard but you could. For example, put it on like, hey, speed two on a cruise boat. So like cruise mm-hmm. ship. So then they, hey, there you go. Players won't know uh, immediately. Or you could, you could do Die Hard. Only you're playing the guys taking over a place. Uh, yeah, you could do that. Uh, and holding it. I've actually done things like that before. I, um, that's sort of like inverting themes is a good way of doing that. Mm-hmm. So like actually uh, an upcoming one shot of Eclipse Phase is based on that. It's a more generalized premise, which is what happens when the PCs are the forgettable red shirts uh, stuck between a lone protagonist and a bunch of crazy psycho bad guys. So mm-hmm. you know the game I'm talking oh, yeah. about, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's uh, called... Yeah. Actually, uh, Daybreakers is another one. That movie. Yeah. It's where humans have to hide. They're the ones. Well, who I have ran to a hide. one shot based on Daybreakers. Yeah, right? they, but humans are the ones, and they have to hide from the rest of the world who are monsters. Right. Uh, so yeah, that's a good one. Um, so there are. Uh, in fact, I was talking to you. Um, I sent a friend a link to a article on IO9 about nine crazy tanks. You mm-hmm. know, and just like. Uh, one of them was like a Soviet tank meant to withstand a nuclear blast. Not directly, but like withstand the shockwave from like a... It has like pissed pylons that dr- drives into the ground to keep it from being blown away. It's, and that kind of it's thing. super heavy armor. It's sealed against mm-hmm. all NBC attacks and all this other shit. I mean, like, we started talking about it, Like, hey, how about a super tank? Uh, and it's about to run over a small town. That would be a good adventure. But like, why not the small town is on the super tank? You know, and, yeah, there you go. Shantytown on a giant tank. And well, how did they get fueled? That, you know, you suddenly, tank. Just, you suddenly just reminded me of another thing I'm going to give a shout out to. Yeah. But what you just okay. said. All right. Very but we'll, we'll go over that later. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's so there's gameable stuff all around you all the time forever. So, there's no excuse not to have good ideas for gaming. Exactly. No, no pressure. <laughs> no, of course not. But, the, that, but I, you know, you said that, but the thing you must always remember is will players have their, their will players be able to have free. Sorry, free will when I'm running this. Yeah, you have to give. You can't. You can't make assumptions about the players. So, like, break it down. Take that die hard and break it down into multiple things. Look at that fight scene that's really cool. Like, stage it in the same place on top of a skyscraper mm-hmm. or wherever else. Or yeah, uh, uh, you, yeah, you. I don't know. I or wish a I, character like one of the terrorists. I, I wish I knew where you got this idea. Mm-hmm. It was, you meant you mentioned it years ago, back when. Eclipse Phase first came out. Yeah. But like, you know, of a fight in an actual morph bank. Yeah. Where the bad guy can keep switching between all the different bodies in that room. Uh, well, that was just like my first reading on Eclipse Phase was just like, what can I do with this? I'm like, well, that was, I, I mean, that wasn't taken from anything else. That was just the first idea. Which is came. fine. Yeah, yeah, no, like, 
uh, a morph museum. Uh, I said I'd bring that back up because I like the idea of because for me it was a way to understand the game mechanics. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you can switch bodies really easily. Like, how could I use that? Oh, okay. How about that? Because I remember, I still remember when you we were driving back the for year you bought Eclipse Phase and you're reading and you're like, I keep here and. Is a very quiet drive for most yeah. until we got out of Indiana. Indiana, and but your content, wow! Finally, go okay. What is the game? Okay, dude, I got to tell you about this game. <laughs> yeah, no, Eclipse Phase had a really great react. I had a really <gasps> a reaction to it, uh, but yeah, it did take a like a year for me to. Like, I actually uh, speaking of which, I actually did took the uh, detective noir story. Yeah, and I put it into I put one into Eclipse Phase for a game I ran in Seattle. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, and it was that, but it was like, it was like a was uh, just kind of like the genre. Are you specifically aping a specific story? Well, funny you mentioned aping. Yeah, but actually, I made pregens, and they were like members of this private investigator team. Yeah, that actually had an office in like a uh, uplift neighborhood. So they were like you know the down down class, and but and there's like I had all the all the tropes, but it was all like. You know, like clanking masses and a soci a socialite you know, woman was murdered and Yeah yeah. I did and So you have to go interview her. Like, yeah, I hated being murdered. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. No, no, her stack was taken. Okay. So she was killed and her stack was taken. So okay. but other than that, yeah, it's they had to yeah. So okay, you're like first like well it's like she like she hung out at the she hung out at this clank at this gathering place for the clanking masses <laughs> what's she doing there you know and so they have to go there and there's all these case morphs who are none don't really want to even they don't even want to talk to an uplift Ooh, yeah racist clanking morphs or clank yeah uh, specious morphs yeah exactly very good uh awesome so that i guess that turned out pretty well it yeah it's it was a detective story that yeah. it ended typically oh, okay every in, in, in the rain in the rain yeah uh, oh, it was a freezing. It was a freezing rain on I think like Mars. Methane. It was it was Mars, but yeah. it was a freezing sub-zero rain, and they were in vac suits. But, yeah, and the umbrella was actually like a like an energy thing. But <laughs> all right, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right, nice, nice. I like that. Um, so yeah, there's it's look around you. In other words, look uh, around you. So uh, when we come back, uh, man, we almost should have gone with look around you for the title of this. Uh, I'd give that for a dollar. I'm, it's I'm, good. I'm not redoing the intro. I'm lazy. You, like you, you talked to me up how well I did the intro. I can't. I can't ruin. You're that. right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think. We, I think we did. We made the best choice we could. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Tom will have a letter. I love shadows and anecdotes. Stay tuned. Okay, well, this isn't a full-on just letter where I read from it. This is actually an idea I had recently when we were playing 5th edition D&D. And this is totally true. As I was eating Long John Silvers, it, it, yeah, maybe, I guess it was a chem- weird chemical thing, I suddenly started thinking about... You know, you'll notice that game, I brought out my notebook and started... I was jotting some things down. I was thinking of TV show ideas involving D&D monsters. It, and it essentially has gone to a list of ten things here that I think I wish to share with people as my letter this time. So here's my ideas. Number one, Swamp People. A remake of the History Channel show, a camera crew follows a tribe of lizard folk through their swampland home. The nice twist here is these are actual, real swamp dwellers. 
And in a, in a twist, the lizard folk devour the camera crew in the in the season finale. <laughs> so I would that's TV I would watch. You just want to see the camera crew devour. Well, I'm sure that I'm sure that that the first episode leading up to the se- season finale would be very you interesting. You just hate camera people. That's what you're saying. They're perfectly fine, but this is good TV. <laughs> All right. Okay, number two, Maze Runner. Contestants are set loose in a large maze with a cash prize waiting in the center. Only there is a minotaur hiding in the maze. Any contestant he is able to catch, he gets to eat. And if he kills all the contestants, he gets the cash prize. I mean, come on, but I mean, think about that. Imagine just, you know, the before interviews with the contestants and the Minotaur. You know, him like, 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 well, I think my strategy is that's pretty good to hide in the South Quadrant because we're naturally attuned to mazes, of, of course. Mm. So, but the, the key is to make sure you cover as much area as possible to get them all. All you need is one slip. I'm through. sensing a theme here. Well, maybe. Okay. I'm sure, I'm sure that the next one will break it. Okay. Number three, pick your brain. In the vein of the quiz shows of the 50s, a mind flayer acts as the MC of two contestants, asking a series of difficult questions. The winner gets a large cash prize, and the loser has his brain eaten. Yeah, no, I'm picking up a similarity. Uh, But you would watch that show. Yeah. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. Number four, Graveyard Wars. A group of ghouls are turned loose on a large cemetery while they are separated into groups. All the graves are booby-trapped in some way, requiring a group effort to get th- through them. Like, the means to disable one team's trap could be in the hands of the other team, only they aren't told they can actually work together. Any body they are able to actually acquire, they are able to eat in the end. So it's, it's, a, it's a series of do you work together or do you not? Okay. All right, number five. The Gibbering Rapper. Aspiring, aspiring rappers are challenged to compete in, a, in writing and performing the best rap song. Only they must incorporate the cacophony of a gibbering mouther into their songs. Oh, that, that, I was, I was going to say, did you want to put this, these shows on AMC, All Monstrous Cannibals? But no, hey, that broke yeah. the trend. One that does not involve yes, well, eating people. Well, I may have had a brain fart there because the next oh. one is totally the same thing. Okay, his time of the month. This is a typical dating show where a number of bachelors compete for the attention of a bachelorette, who decides which one she will choose. Only one of the bachelors is a werewolf. If she picks that one, the bachelorette is eaten. And come on, who wouldn't want to see some of those people get taken down a peg? You would. There's there's a difference between being taken down a peg... (laughs) And devoured? Yes. Well... I'm sure you'll like the next one, though. Okay. I'm totally pitching these. All right. Number seven, My Favorite Barbarian. A show along the lines of Ted Nugent's hunting competition show, a group of contestants are brought to an orc raiding band to see if they have what it takes to be an orc raider. The contestants spend six weeks learning the ways of the orcs, with one contestant eliminated each week. The final contestant gets to go on a raid of a merchant caravan with the orcs. Notice I didn't say kill, they are just eliminated. Okay. They're like, you know, they're like, you're not orc enough. Do they brand them with tattoos of shame or something like that? No, no. It's they. They are tattooed. The contestants are tattooed if if they are not eliminated each okay. week. So the winner is going to have a whole series of really awesome ones. A couple of sleeves. Yeah. 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 Number eight, extreme reverse fishing. A camera crew is in diving gear. Follow a group of Sahugans as they follow human fishing vessels and attempt to reel fishermen off the boats where they are eaten. Yeah, once again, I'd, I'd like to see the I'd like to see a fishing show from the other side. All right, no, I I could see the appeal of that. Yeah. yeah. Number nine, the Snake Pit. 
A show similar to the Shark Tank, contestants are brought before a Yuwanti Temple Tribunal and take turns pressing the case of why they should not be sacrificed to Mershalk. The winner gets to become a tainted one, and in a tribute to a different show, the winner is told by the temple high priest, you're hired. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah? What happens to the losers? They're sacrificed oh, to Mershalk. Right. Of, of course. course. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, they are, does that involve them being eaten? No, it's usually just, it's like ritual sacrifice. Okay. I think maybe a few of them, like the actual, you know, the full-on, you know, abominations, the uh-huh. mostly snake. Uh-huh. Maybe they're, maybe like a heart is they devoured. John voided. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And finally, number 10, fear factor. Contestants must use their wits to compete in a number of challenges, all while in the fear aura of a lich. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. Uh, and the lich just gets... The lich just gets to stand there kind of glaring at him. Okay. And you know, just moves like like you know, like, and maybe and it could be occasionally, I guess, for fun, we could actually have you sitting there. And then maybe let's take a couple of steps towards one person. So maybe one person over here is out of the aura. Uh-huh. Like, but how long am I going to stand here? Mm-hmm. I might wander back over here. Oh, I did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and if they re-enter the aura, they have to make a new saving throw every time. Yeah. No. So yeah, so they they have to. Uh, I think you know these challenges don't have to be anything really major. And he, yeah. Just. The kind of this is the kind of ta- not even eating eating weird things. Just yeah. t- do some kind of task that takes some little work and a little challenge. Disarming a uh, poison trap or something like that. Yeah, but yeah, I guess you know. Well, safety is important here. Oh, so well, yeah, safety is really well, important. Like just when they think they've got it, suddenly, oh god, he's back. <laughs> and just like, am I bugging you? I think for the I think for the audience, the lich needs to be uh, passive aggressive. Well, passive aggressive, like oh. Am I bugging you? Okay. Yeah. Like, I'm dead. You know that? <laughs> He's undead, and there's a difference. He worked to become undead. Yes, he did. He earned it. He it, Not like those zombies, those... And he's spending eternity by hosting game shows. Well, if you were, had eternity to live, wouldn't you accept a, a I, show? I guess, yeah, you would get bored. Pontifex would be an awesome person for this show. He, he would. He would. Uh, <laughs> all right, fair. There's like, those are my ten suggestions for TV shows. I personally think Wizards of the Coast. You 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 should get on that. Make some make some web series. You know, you, you should totes do that. I'm I'm open to you using these yeah. for you know small give consideration. It a Creative Commons license, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Give me a call. Give All me, right. Give, yeah, me, yeah. give me a call. Wizards yeah, of the Coast. I know. All right. When we come back, we'll have shoutouts and anecdotes. Again, no calls yet. But no, no calls yet. Fingers crossed. We're still. They, this episode hasn't gone out yet. That's why they. But it's such a good idea. I think they would know right now. I. You were. I'm very. You optimistic. have a really high opinion of them. I like, do. You think so much om- so that you think that they're omniscient or nearly omniscient. They're, they're not. No. I think you're wrong. Oh. They're called wizards. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No. That's that's fair. And I know how much you like wizards because the way you say it. Thank you. Uh, yes, yeah, so we actually did. Uh, Caleb ran another game of Giant Corpse Island uh, or Colossus Archipelago uh, recently uh, with a new player. Uh, so we'll Indeed. have that on the AP yeah. at some point in the future. Cynthia. Yes. Uh, you asked her, I yeah, see her yeah. to be revealed. Um, 
That yeah, we don't want to spoil it. We're not. That's not the. That's not the. Answer. That's not the. That's not the game we play here. Um. So first off, for shoutouts, since we brought up Wizards of the Coast, uh, I've gotten review copies of a couple of their books: uh, Rise of Tiamat, Dungeon Master's Guide, and Monster Manual. They're all very good books. Uh, we're gonna do a D and D focused episode uh, soon. Uh, that's. Yeah, so that's in the works. Uh, we'll have it's coming Tom, down the line. Who was the GM for our first five E game, which is already up on the actual mm-hmm. website, so just in Sodarland. Uh, but I do want to give my brief impressions of Rise of Tiamat, which is the an adventure uh, in their Tyranny of Dragon series. It's the sort of campaign finale, and I don't, I haven't read actually the Horde of the Dragon Queen, which is the first one. Uh, but I think this is an excellent. Uh, very well set up adventure because it's sort of presented as sort of, it's a high level stuff like from levels 8 to 15 and so it's prevented, presented as this framework like oh the players can do this this and this to thwart the cult of Tiamat mm-hmm. uh, and here's how the bad guys will react and here's at the point that they'll react and they'll try and assassinate their asses at this point they'll try and do this at this point players can do this to gain allies and so it's like it's not presented as a linear thing but like a framework so, they can't, so as a GM you kind of have to read it and then figure out how you're going to run it for your particular group but it provides a lot of support for it and the artwork is just awesome the artwork yeah the very high quality great artwork on the cover so uh, high production values for the book so um, so the finale at least for this campaign looks really cool so nice uh, and I just got the Dungeon Master's Guide which has hundreds of pages of new rules and new magic items including the deck of many things oh Uh, dear Yes, I will at some point run a 5e game that is literally, you're all level 1 and you find a deck of many things, what do you do? Uh, it, like, uh, we sell it, buy our own country, and retire. You cannot sell it. Fuck you. Yeah, well, that, this is the purpose of the game, you have to draw cards. Uh, Thanks, Ross. Yeah, no, bring a stack of characters. <laughs> bring multiple characters. Um, but I've looked through it, they have a lot of cool rules for it. Uh, optional rules for different campaign the- theories uh, or themes, you know, like grim, dark, or realistic, or uh, that kind of thing. Uh, encounter table, encounter building. This is something that, like Bill, who's been running a lot of games, has been talking about, like the difficulty in building good encounters for Fifth Ed. Um, so there is a lot of cool stuff in here. So thank you, Wizards, for sending your review cups. We'll have them. We'll do a whole episode focused on this. I just want to give a brief mention that we, we got the stuff and we're looking at it. We got so, this. So, yes. Um, but anyways, uh, Tom, you had... Yep. A- the show that I got this idea from, the uh, Shanghai uh, idea from, is a show uh, it's on Netflix now called Mysteries at the Museum, which is it's a series where they go to all like these museums all over the world, all over the country. Some of them are really well known, like you know, like the Library of Congress or the Smithsonian, but they also go to these really tiny small town museums. Yeah. And they and they, they focus on one artifact from the museum each uh, for each museum that has had some weird or dark you know, history or this part of their town. Is it always grimdark? Not always. Sometimes it's like one they actually have the uh, the guy that invented the artificial purple dye. All right. There's an art. There's an exhibit to him, and yeah, some of them they, they they actually go to the museum that has the axe, the broken axe that Lizzie Borden may or may not have used. But it's it's really it's some of them are grim dark, some of them are totally not dark at all. Yeah, cool. but it's it's little things that I just I didn't even realize about. Yeah, you know history. Yeah, could you come up with a, something gameable about purple dye? Don't know well, about chemistry, maybe because that's really what it's about. Okay, it's the museum. Right. Actually, the museum of chemistry. Okay, yeah, no chemistry. Yeah, 
Burn and melt things uh, and make them explode. Or make crystal meth. Or make crystal meth, yeah. Uh, <laughs> very good. Um, so first off, uh, like as I would like to mention, we have always lived in the castle. Uh, it's an excellent novel. It's very, it's very quick read. Only took me, uh, didn't take me too long to get through it. Uh, but it's a character-focused novel. It's about Mary Cat and her sort of odd sure. life, and it you know about the prejudice of the small town, uh, sort of small town regionalism. I mean, if you read the the, the lottery it's set in similar kind of pastoral setting, um, and it's also about agoraphobia because the the older sister just literally will not leave the house, or except maybe just step outside to the garden. She just cannot stand the the rest of the world. Sure, and it's uh, a very it's worth it. It's a good reading. I mean, like it's worth reading, and um, I don't. I, I can't really talk too much because I don't want to spoil it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but if you like, I mean, there's there there are a few. You know, it's not. It's it's a character based novel. It's not like focused. I mean, there's the plot and stuff happens, but it's not like a huge sweeping epic and blah blah blah. It's it's very much developing the characters of these two sisters and their uncle who lives with them because he was poisoned but he survived. So he's kind of like not totally right at the end. And sure, yeah. So. Um, so very good. Uh, next, uh, Death Skid Marks. It's on Steam right now. It's like ten bucks. Um, it's got a great soundtrack. Psychobilly. Psychobilly music. Uh, it's a roguelike. You know, if you die, you have to start over. A full. Run. I mean, I basically got it and started playing obsessively, and then beat it on medium. The you know the standard setting the next day after about ten twelve hours of playing over two days. So like, sure. <laughs> yeah, I did sleep and eat, but yeah, it was good like job. I was just like, um, the thing is. It it plays a little like fast, uh, FTL, but it's more arcade based. Like you have a little c- car that you control with WASD, mm-hmm. and then you shoot with the left mouse button. Um, but it's it's heavily randomized too. Like like your character each for each of your uh, crew members has stats, and your vehicle has stats. Uh, your crew members' stats go from like negative one to five, basically. Like they can it's usually zero to four, but characters can have a, sort of a a bonus or a penalty to certain stats mm-hmm. like the hippie has a bonus to his defensive stats but a penalty to his offensive stat because he doesn't like hitting people so Natural. Uh, so he's a good driver because the driver doesn't attack he just drives um, the alien is good at everything there's a gray alien in of it. course so, yeah it's Paul yeah yeah um, and so but the thing is you need like by the time you get to the mid game you really need your characters to have pretty decent stats and your card needs to be leveled up so you need to take big risks in order to do that like you can there's a mini game where you can play Russian roulette uh, against an NPC and if you win you get plus two to all four of your stats which is huge but if you lose you're dead you're, you lose that crew member so um, yeah you you can always you can stop at gas station item shops to pick up a random hitchhiker for free um, and so you kind of have to and you also always need like a wrench and a med kit like those items are so good like because they can heal your 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 crew and your car during the middle of the level. Like otherwise you can only heal at item shops and that's only if they have, they spawn healing items like food or car repair stuff. So, um, you, yeah. So basically it's heavily randomized. You can't win unless you get certain items and you get, you get pretty lucky in it. But even if you do, you still need to have the skills in order to like, like by the mid game, there'd be like three or four enemy cars with flamethrowers, buzzsaws and machine guns all shooting at you and going nuts. And you're like, ah, try not to die. You know, it's supposed yeah. to be a good concert. Yeah, no, it's apparently a really great concert. <laughs> um, 
So it's fun, but it's not totally skill-based. You need to have some luck to win. Sure. But each playthrough is like Different. an hour at a most, hour and hour and a half at, a mo- at the most. So if you die, you can try again. Sure. Try again and try again. And I did that a lot. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> uh, next up is going to be another game, Binary Domain, which is from Sega. It's a third-person cover shooter, kind of like Gears of War. But you're a member of a Rust crew. Uh, mm-hmm. You basically go out and shoot robots um, because uh, there's a Geneva Convention against uh, creating full artificial intelligence and robots that could pass for humans. Uh, and guess what? Tokyo's fucking up. Tokyo uh, uh, Corporation Tokyo done done messed up and started making robots that look human and think they're human idiots yeah so you just go around shooting robots you actually don't kill a single person in the game you just go around shooting robots uh, but like it's really cool because when you shoot them it's got good graphics their like legs blow up and like their armor plating goes off you could shoot them in the legs they start crawling towards you shoot their heads off they start shooting wildly um, and you have Rantley you have like five or six teammates um, each of which you can help like you, they have favorability like mm-hmm. like if you shoot them they're, they're, they don't trust you as much which is weird, weird. but if you, if you help them and you uh, agree with them when you talk to them like there's this whole voice recognition gimmick that I never use but like you could put plug a headset in and tell them to do things like charge or come back but I just mm-hmm. ignore that uh, but it's a, it's, a, it's a fun game it'll take me about 9-10 hours to beat uh, I played it and it's on sale a lot it, it, keep your, put it on your Steam wish list or ke- check the not- sites I've like seen it for like as cheap as $3 and so for that like one of the characters is a French robot who is hilarious and like like, pretty badass, actually. So <laughs> he's going to be an Eclipse Face character, like the French security robot. Like, pardon me, I must shoot your enemies for you. You know, uh, <laughs> super he's, he's, he's very polite. He is very polite. He is very charming. Um, uh, next up, I would also like to mention Fordlandia. Um, as I mentioned before, it's a fascinating history of the Brazilian rubber plantation that Henry Ford tried to build, and also about Henry Ford uh, and Ford and Detroit. It goes, it's actually a pretty wide sweeping book. It talks basically it talks about everything. It even has a whole chapter about Diego Rivera's. Uh, who's this Mexican mural artist who painted this huge thing of the River Rouge uh, factory, uh, this building Model A's uh, and and Model T's, um, and so but so it's a very in depth history. And so, but like for me, it's, it's a game of idea because the idea of like an American company in the twenties building because uh, he wasn't just trying to build a rubber chip plantation; he was exporting his ideology. He was trying to make it an American style town mm-hmm. in the Amazon jungle, which. Didn't work out. <laughs> it lasted longer than you would... It didn't just fall apart immediately. That shit took years to work out. Uh, but yeah, it was... But like, that would be a great game for it. Like, Call of Cthulhu. Hey, monsters show up or a crazy cult shows up. And like, the players... You could do, obviously, the whole uh, Heart of Darkness kind of thing. You know, like, go up river, find out what happened to the plantation. They stopped talking to us. Or you could do, like, a pulp game. Like, Day After Ragnarok would be mm-hmm. fun. Like, hey, let's rebuild America in the Amazon and fight Nazis that part is not no. historically accurate no. nor, uh, nor was the world serpent crashing on the, to the <laughs> earth yes um, so there's there's a lot of cool stuff in there uh, and just a little bit talking about like he Henry Ford had this whole service department which were basically thugs union breakers and uh, also secret police who would like spy on the workers to make sure that they weren't drinking or gambling they would fire them and like whole all kinds of crazy shit like it was mm-hmm. interesting 
and finally, I would also like to mention Earthworm Gods 1 and 2. Um, these are two novels written by Brian Keane, uh, part of his Labyrinth Mythos, which is, ooh, I saw the word Labyrinth, I'm like, oh, well, I gotta read these. Uh, so I've just started on those. Uh, well, I've, I've read both of these two novels, so I'll probably read some more of his stuff later on. But they're basically, it's about... It's a post. It's an apocalyptic. It's not post. It's during the apocalypse. So the world starts ending because it starts raining, and then it never stops. Mm-hmm. And then the earthworms start coming up, and then the houses start disappearing, and then this white fungus starts growing on things, and people get infected with white fungus, just dissolve into water, and it's just the waters keep rising, and they keep rising, and they keep rising, and then it's raining for you know, uh, it's it's an eerie kind of quiet apocalypse, but. It, it covers sort of these characters who are trying to survive. Like the first one starts with this old man at the top of a mountain in the Appalachia who's just like, well, everyone I know is dead. I'm just up in this house. I got some canned food writing in this, not in writing this book. Uh, you know, and mm-hmm. it just, uh, I saw a deer and had white fungus growing on it and looked at me weird. Then it ran off. You know, it's, it's very interesting. Um, yeah. and it's a quick read too. It's just good pulp horror mm-hmm. stuff. It's not like, it's not as good as like Lovecraft or Stephen King, but like it's it's, it's worth solid. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a solid stuff, and there's and you'll like it because there's crazy monsters that eat people. I like monsters, yeah, aquatic monsters. Oh, I like them. There's shark know. people. Ooh, there's yeah, literally shark people. There's also like wow. second novel. There's like guys with starfishes for heads that you know, like the starfish will bite the person. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, we're not quite done. Oh, we've got two more things. All right. First, I'm going to mention the thing you made me think of. I'm mentioning giant tanks. I made you think of it. You did, actually. Um, it is Nazi Mega Weapons. It is a ser- another series on Netflix. <laughs> to be honest, is it from the History Channel? It sounds like a History It's from the History Channel. Yeah. Now, I mean, and some of them, there's episodes about, like, you know, Hitler's giant uh, U-boat pen that yeah. was nearly impervious to bombing. Yeah. There's the, the V2s, but there's one episode in particular that you made me think of, which is his super tanks, mm-hmm. which they go into the development of the Tiger Obviously, and uh, like, yes, it was the best tank in the world, but it was too slow to manufacture. Yeah. Well, the Soviets are just pumping out T 34s. Yep. But strength in numbers. But they also go into his future plans. And I think my favorite was it was a tank that was designed to carry a battleship gun as its, as its turret gun. <laughs> there were plans for it. And essentially, and I love it. And he. Uh, apparently in the series he was asking like uh, the uh, the founder of Volkswagen yeah or Mercedes it was Mercedes but like one of the top you know car designer it was it was Volkswagen the guy was who designed the, the bug yeah and he was he says like he says I want this like I want a tank this big make it happen yeah and he's the poor guy that he's trying to do it like this is never going to work. This thing, there's no terrain. This thing could go across that it wouldn't sink like a stone. <laughs> it can't move. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, and also like the fuel it would burn. It's, it would think it would burn like twenty thousand gallons of fuel every thirty minutes. <laughs> wow! That's... Because just to for all the engines to move this thing. Yeah. But it, it's they show like they show the drawings for it. Yeah. And I, I it was my thing like. Big giant tanks, because Hitler's philosophy was bigger is always better. Yeah, but yeah, it's I think it was called Ask Albert Speer. But it was called the Mouse. The Mouse. And uh, yeah, yeah, of course, you know Speer, that poor guy, like says you're going to design my new capital. None of the land you want me to build it on is able to hold it. Yeah, I don't feel sorry for Speer. No, but yeah, at the same time, really. Well, it sucks. You're it sucks. still you slave labor. No, it's he did. He did. But yeah, it was that. A tank to carry like a sixteen-inch gun. 
Yeah. Like, and, and, and no one wants to be the guy to tell Hitler, this is completely impractical. <laughs> what we need is, like, give us more tigers or yeah. design something that's to, easier to be mass-produced, but... Don't ask us to build this, please. <laughs> wow. Uh, nice. Yeah, the other one is actually a game on Steam that I've been playing a lot of lately. Yeah. Is Plague uh, Plague Evolved. Plague Evolved. Yep. It's basically, it's a strategy game where you kind of d- design your own diseases. Yeah. And there's stuff that's pre-proved, you know, there's pre-stuff in the game. It's like, you know, viruses, bacteria. There's a zombie virus now. And, you know, like a Planet of the Apes type virus. But they also released the tool, the creation tools, uh-huh. where people are designing hundreds and hundreds of different scenarios. And I myself made a scenario. <gasps> are you going to, well, send me it, it's, it's posted, yeah. All right. Yeah, it, you, you have, you'd have to, uh, you know, buy the game, which I think mean, it's, once again, like six bucks. Yeah. And, yeah, then uh, subscribe, subscribe to it, but it's literally called The Shadow Over Innsmouth. <laughs> I made the shadow of Rinsmith into a plague. Ooh. And uh, I, uh, actually, I've done two. I'll send you the link for both of them. Okay. Because I, yeah, I expect, I'll... I want you to try them out. I will have to get the game. You will? I... But it's, uh, but there's, oh, this, but my God, I, mean, I think mine are pretty good, but yeah. some of those, the way they design them is just freaking amazing. Yeah. And I, I played so many of those scenarios. <laughs> so many. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, recently I've been playing. Like I finally, I got through Dishonored. I know this is not totally a shout out, but like I find I beat Dishonored, um, and I like got it a while ago, like soon after it came out. I think an RPPR fan actually gifted it to me. Thank you, uh, thank you. Uh, but I played the first level, and I like, oh god, I hate stealth games, and I stopped playing because you. But then I was like, fuck it, I want to beat it. I want to just get it done. And then like in the next level, you're given the ability to teleport and have X-ray vision. And suddenly stealth is fun. Like, it's crazy how that works out. Like, I hate stealth games because it's about waiting and waiting and like, oh, God, when when is the guard going to turn around so I can sneak by him? And I hate that in a game. I don't play a game to wait. I play a game to play. Yeah. And so I hate that. But not with Dishonored. It was just like, oh, I'll teleport here. I'll go over here. I'll possess that guy. It's like, hey, it's fun. Like, I even did a low chaos thing and like non-lethal takedowns of the assassination targets because it was more fun to do. It's actually more sadistic because like, oh, you don't kill anybody at I mean, I did kill some guards because of course. I was like, oh, you, you, you're a PC. You're in the way of me, and I don't want to wait for you, so I'll just <laughs> stab you in the I, face. I, I'm killing you because I'm impatient. Basically, yeah. Also, and you because you're a dick. Like, I heard you laughing about those prisoners you're going to have, you're going to kill. Like, fuck you guys. I'm going to kill you and free those prisoners. Right. Because I am a good person. Because <laughs> I'm a dick, too. <laughs> but I'm a dick who can turn and who can teleport. And has x-ray vision. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fuck so, all y'all. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, oh, yeah. Also, one, uh, actually, I kind of want to bring up one more shout-out, which is Save Game, which is a setting for Fate Core, which is a pay-what-you-want thing on DriveThruRPG. It's a PDF setting. Uh, but it's based on 8-bit classic venture games, video games. Uh, and the reason I bring it up because that ties into our antidote because I mm-hmm. ran a game of Fate Core in the Save Game setting. It was quite a thing. Yes. Um, I In Save Game, you're basically heroic pixons, basically video game characters who are trying to save the video game realm from uh, the glitch. A little wreck Ralph kind of thing. It's a Wreck-It Ralph kind of shared universe thing. And so each character... So in Save Game, they just kind of do homages and mashups of video game genres. Which I... 
because this is just a game and not I'm not actually publishing them for money, I can just like, no, you're in Cast you're going to Castlevania. And yeah. So, you, you did death very well. Yes. Hey, uh, guys. Hey. Uh, yes, I role-played him like Sparkles. Uh, Why not? Beca- well, death would be kind of creepy. I mean... His job, like, like my job is killing. Yeah, so... Um, I like... First off with the anecdote, it's just... I like that all the teams... Literally everyone made a shooting character... A shooting violent character. No one... Not one player took the chat skill. The the actual social diplomacy skill. I mean, everyone took, like... I want to shoot things. I want to hurt people. Or, well, we did have, like... Can I intimidate them into yeah. liking us? Yeah, there was the taunt intimidate skill. Uh, Sean took that. Um, what was your favorite bit of the game? Uh, I, I still think it had to be death. Death, yeah. Just encountering him. Because it was in Castlevania, you have to have death in it. Yeah. yeah. And you played games with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I was playing the uh, Hotline Miami guy. Yes, Jacket. And Aaron, I think, was um, a dude from the Mega Man knockoff game, um, mm-hmm. Rocket Mighty Man number nine or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Sean played Grumpy Gorilla. And, oh, and played a Streets of Rage character, or the one... Is that Street... No, it's not Streets of Rage. Or is it Streets of Rage? The that, one with uh, Mike Hagar in the... Uh, that's Final Fight. Final Fight, yes. But they're, they're along the same lines, yeah, the same yeah. game. Side-scrolling beat-em-up character. And, uh... Who else? David. David. What would you, did David play? I don't mm. remember. Nor do I. Yeah. It was purple, though. I'm just guessing. It was totally purple. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my favorite bit was actually just a bit of improv, which was... Um, the characters got to Castle Dracula and you know like their whole thing was like one of the major characters of Castlevania is infected with a glitch but it's mm-hmm. secret and we don't know which character so your, your job is to go there find out who it is and eliminate them um, God Simon Belmont was he was very angst ridden very angst but Aaron went off to the basement and they, it was the Waterfield basement and so like I had Frank the Fish guy show because he was just an enemy who jumped up and down and this is just, like, hey. just like it is in the game. Fish guy, don't touch me. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. And don't come. we pretty much made him the leader of his people. Yes. Uh, the king. Yeah, you guys, instead of fighting monsters or whatever, decided to get, uh, play matchmaker with him and the mermaid uh, mini-boss, which I made up. So uh, that was... Uh, something to look forward to in the save yeah. game. Uh, yeah, and then like we put something out so when he didn't land back in the water, yeah. he was just totally confused. Like, yeah. He kept jumping, but like, yeah. for some reason he's not quite getting the... Yeah, no, he, the, it, you the blew air. his mind, yeah. Uh, you put a platform underneath him, so... Um, and suddenly he had to think about a yeah. whole other universe. I know, it was a whole new world. Um, so that's something to keep up. Uh, other games we've been doing, we've obviously been running uh, Clip Space, Duality, The Joker mm-hmm. Republic. Uh, we have one or two more games of that. We're still in the middle of that. Uh, we recently did a gate crashing game with Jason. Uh, the, the, the I'm not going to say how it, but you can guess The ending is really great, but I can't spoil it. No, uh, we're not doing that. But it was set in Wormwood, and the gate crashing, if you read Gate Crashers, it's, it's set in Wormwood, and it follows Gerard as he is proxy Cogburn, uh, leading a team of firewall agents on a mission to investigate. He's giving him a leadership, leadership position to keep him out of the field. Yeah, apparently. Which uh, didn't work out too well. And um, so, yeah, so those are some of the games that will be coming up uh, in the near future. We have more 5th Ed D&D games and ran a game uh, loosely based on Maniac Mansion, uh, 5e D&D game based on... I wasn't there for that. Yeah, uh, it was very good. Um, And, yeah, we have a bunch of... And Bill ran one uh, loosely based on the Shadows Over Innsmouth. Uh, I was there for that one. And so, yeah, we have a lot of 5th Ed coming up. Um, So, yeah. 
That's awesome. So this is our recipe. This has been RPBR episode 108. I gave that for a dollar. And I'm with Tom me, Church. as most always. Yeah. Tom Church not dissing the his dancer voice this time mm. because Ross added something to it. Mm. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> All right. See ya.